your opponents will point to bail reform and how it was done and judicial discretion uh, and that that is an aspect of keeping people on the street, even when they do bad things with guns. And that could be part of the well, problem. I don't see why we shouldn't. Starting with the, in, when, when President Clinton took office up until the, the, the third year of the Trump administration, crime and violent crime in this country had gone down precipitously. The only thing that changed and it was always that cities were always run by Democrats was the Trump presidency, who was a lawless president who promoted lawlessness. And I think that and I, what about the liberal right. reforms? I mean, look, a <laughs> well, lot of this is going to hang on New York's shoulders. I don't think, well, I, you know, I'm not a criminologist, but, you know, when, under Obama and under Clinton, we had precipitous drops in, in, in violent crime in this country. And, you know, some of these things are going to have to be looked at, but I think the idea we're going to defund the police or not, or not support the police would put the rest in New York City. Remember, this was a New York Democratic primary. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of blame to go around, but Biden can get his numbers up from 38% because, you know, he, he was instrumental in, in, in helping reduce... But remember, Eric Adams is a former cop who went against <laughs> the Democratic mentality of letting everybody out of prison. A uh, part of it was COVID, uh, but a lot of it wasn't. It was bail reform. Some of it was good. Some of it was overreach. Extraordinary. The Democratic mentality of letting everyone out of prison. <laughs> Which, I mean, is Chris Cuomo writing a Republican attack ad? Yeah, no, that sounds like a Republican attack ad. Uh, that That's just nuts that the, uh, the Democrat, like the Democratic mentality is to uh is to let everybody out of prison um, he's talking about the state where his own brother is the governor as well which is very <laughs> funny <laughs> oh man and no. it's what's so what's so funny about that last part of the segment is the fact that like carville is actually you know trying to pivot away from this a little bit and cuomo just keeps returning with the same talk about talking point he's like but what about the liberal reforms <laughs> Yeah, and, and of course, his, his example, you know, really the only example is given, unless I missed one, uh, was, uh, you know, bail reform, uh, which which has uh, literally, like, nothing, I mean, the only sense in which that lets anybody out of not prison, because if bail is an issue, you know, prison is for when you've actually been convicted of crimes, you know, anybody who's been bailed out has not been convicted of anything yet, uh, and um you know, bail reform or, you know, even like what really should happen, the outright abolition of cash, you know, cash bail uh, doesn't, you know, I mean, the only sense in which it, it lets people, you know, I mean, it, it, it means that you don't have like whether or not you're sitting in jail is no longer dependent on whether you can afford this, uh, which, which you'd think like, look, if somebody's, uh, if somebody, you know, like prosecutors can make a case that somebody is a flight risk or they're going to commit, you know, imminent more violent crimes or whatever, you know, like they're, they're not eligible for, for, for bail, but like, it's a really grotesque argument that, you know, that's like, okay, well, we should just like have poverty, keep people in, in jail, you know, and now like, that's the best way to, you know, to, you know, to, to minimize, you know, violent offenders being out on the street. You know, it's funny. I feel like there's a, a you know a pejorative stereotype that people have around uh, podcasts and around YouTube, around you know about how too many of them are just people sitting around talking and they haven't really done much much preparation. I mean, we watch a segment like this, and I mean, how much are these guys getting paid for this? How much does Chris <laughs> Cuomo earn a year? Did he? I mean, did he do any preparation for this segment beyond uh, you know, I don't know, reading reading like 
you know, a hundred words of text or whatever. It seems like he knew exactly what he was going to say, uh, you know, before coming in. Um, Carville just seems to be kind of riffing as well. That's just pulling out numbers. Sure. 15%. Uh, <laughs> why not? I mean, do these people not have whole staffs that, you know, vet them, vet stuff and vet information and, and brief them on this stuff. It's uh, it's extraordinary. No, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, like, I mean, Carville actually sounds even less prepared uh, than, uh, than than Cuomo. I mean, Carville, like, you know, just sort of does that. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a criminologist. You know, what, what do I know about this stuff? Uh, and, uh, and Cuomo sounds more prepared than that. But I mean, like, it's literally like he just, uh, uh, like he, I mean, he's not saying anything here that your uncle wouldn't say in a Facebook argument. Because like he he'd sort of vaguely had an impression from some Fox segments that he watched a while ago that you know that like Democrats are going crazy and letting people out of prison. That's right. I mean, he's just you know he's it's like exactly that kind of like you know uh, Thanksgiving dinner conversation that makes everyone roll their eyes, but just said with the conviction of a guy who makes seven figures to to do it on TV. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. All right, let's finish this up. And he, he campaigned, campaigned against, against it. Of course, that, that's 15 or 20 percent of the Democratic Party. 20 percent. Yeah. 15 to 20. <laughs> party of blacks and suburban women. They're not into this. All right. And, and, and you know, again, we're seeing it time and time again. We're letting a, a, a noisy wing of our party define the rest of us. And my point is. We, we can't do that. I think these people are, all, are kind of nice people. I think they're very naive and they're all into language and identity. And that, that, that's all right. They're not storming the Capitol, but they're not winning elections. And I think people sort of see us for what it is. And, and people are way more interested in their lives and how to improve them than they are in somebody else's pronoun or something. So I, 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 I agree that it's a problem, but it shouldn't be as big a problem as it is because they know where near as big in the Democratic Party as, as the fringes are in the Republican Party. And that's something we've got to drive home. James Carville, you're always value-add. Appreciate you. <laughs> is he? <laughs> Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, just true to form, every segment like this always has to have, there's all, there always has to be some, uh, you know, you, you got to throw trans people under the bus at some point. That's, that's a rule of this kind of segment. Yeah. Right. Uh, that, you know, that like we were talking, the whole thing was about, uh, about crime and police reform and, uh, and, and bail reform. And, but like somehow for like a second at the end, it's about pronouns out of nowhere. <laughs> like, uh, which is just, yeah. And, and again, like w what do these things have to do with each other? Uh, not very much. Um, and you know, he says, Carville says, uh, towards the end there, uh, well, time and time again, you know, we, we, we see this and this, this really gets into the heart of your piece because Carville has a long history of singing some variation, at least of this tune. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and and this is kind of why I think, I mean, apart from the the fact that the segment itself and, and the analysis contained uh, therein is not particularly serious. I mean, I think this this is what uh, this is kind of why the thrust of my piece avoided any kind of granular granular analysis of the the arguments being made, because I really think that what this is and how it should be understood um, is just kind of resurrection of 
um, you know, a type of argument that became very fashionable in certain circles in the 1980s, um, and then be and then you know essentially you know conquered the the Democratic Party and became a sort of piece of um, really mainstream uh, you know received political wisdom afterwards. And and this is you know and and there's a uh, an exact same trajectory with the same people um, in in Great Britain as well. Um, you know this the, with the with the Blairites. Um, I mean the the there is a cosmology of politics that these people extracted that they take to kind of be an eternal one. Um, you know that they got out a handful of election victories by centrists like Bill Clinton and uh, and Tony Blair in the in the nineteen uh, in the nineteen nineties. Um, and you know, a big part of that cosmology is that you win by uh, fighting and scolding and and disciplining the left. Um, you know, the old center left, the story goes, was afflicted with these these crazies of various kinds, uh, people with these strange and and chaotic and radical causes that alienated uh, the only kind of voter that matter. Uh, you know, the only kind of voters that matter, which are the ones in the you know. They're the kind of mushy, ill-defined, you know, itself very caricatured, sort of sensible middle. Um, you know, so the 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 so the so-called cranks are obviously a caricature, but in many ways, so is this um, you know, wise centrist constituency that's always being courted um as well. And, and so, you know, in obviously in the 1980s, this was, you know, the this was about the Democratic Party repudiating the coalition Jesse Jackson had tried to build and kind of replacing it with one that was much more dominated by suburban voters, um, kind of higher income voters, um, you know, in, in, in the suburbs, especially, um, and which really made really kind of declared open season on, on, you know, anything, anything that could be caricatured as kind of radical or, or extreme. Um, and even just on the idea of activists in general, it's amazing how, you know, unspecified activists are often kind of the the you know the bogeyman in, in this sort of caricature, uh, and it's ex an especially extraordinary thing to um, conclude from the 1992 election. And you know, this is hardly an original point on my part, but Ross Perot got something like 19% of the popular uh. vote in '92, meaning that Bill Clinton uh, won the presidency. I mean, considerable margin in the Electoral College because Perot didn't carry a single state, but I mean, Bill Clinton got 43% of the vote. And two years after that, in the midterms, uh, the Democratic Party lost control of the House of Representatives. I mean, was, this was the Gingrich Revolution. Democrats lost control of the House for the first time, I believe, since 1953. So this, you know, indomitable coalition that was going to be the basis for, uh, you know, the Democratic politics moving forward um, really was not uh, very, uh, very resilient at all. Um so, I mean, there are all kinds of reasons to conclude that this is just not a good strategy, but, um, and, you know, also that the, the ways that uh, the argument in its favor are made are, are not very coherent, but just, you know, even if I'm a centrist uh, consultant or something trying to advise Democrats, I, I would, you know, caution against um, extrapolating too much from an election like 1992. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, it's also, you know, worth noting that, I mean, if you go back to that election uh in some ways bill clinton was was running you know as as the the third way triangulator i mean that was definitely all there you know if you read like like his and gore's campaign book uh putting people first uh but like that wasn't really what the stump speech was right like 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 in a lot of ways like clinton was actually um 
you know, like it was, it was the election was happening during a recession and, you know, and, and, and he was sounding some like, at least by 1992 standards, somewhat populist, like rhetorical notes, you know, back, back then. Right. So, I mean, it's, it, it, it's not even that in any sort of clean way, you know, he, he ran on, on that. And, uh, and in any case, as you say, right, like he also got 43% of the vote and lost the midterm. So like, you know, this is a, this is just a weird like thing to, um, you know, this, yeah, it's a very weird thing to, uh, to put, uh, to put too much emphasis on. Uh, it's also really interesting that Carville doesn't, um, you know, I, I do think if, if all this had happened, like if this exact interview, had happened, you know, ten years earlier somehow. Uh, that uh, that Car well, Carville probably wouldn't have had to do things. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a criminologist, you know. Like like I don't think he would have had to quite, you know, to, to quite like punt on the whole question quite that much. I think what he would have said is is uh, I'm not going to try to do the Carville accent, but what he would have said is uh, that uh, hey, when Bill Clinton was in office, you know, he got tough on crime. You know, he. Uh, what are you talking about the democratic, you know, let everybody out of prison mentality? You know, he, he passed the, uh, he passed the crime bill. He put however many cops on the streets, you know, he had, you know, he beefed up mandatory minimums. Uh, like that would have definitely been what Carville would have been selling now been selling then, but he can't really do that now. Cause like he, he doesn't quite want to admit that about the, the Clinton history, but he also can't say the thing that, like you should say that like as uh that progressives at least should say which is hey you want to reduce crime reduce poverty you know and 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 here's how we'll do that uh for obvious reasons carville's also not going to say that i mean that's that's part of the agenda that he's lumping in you know with this you know defund the police and language police left uh so all that really leaves him with as an option is just say yeah, well I don't know. Crime seemed to go down under Clinton and Obama. So, you know, must be something about having Democrats in there. I'm not a criminologist. Yeah, yeah that's right. And I mean, you know, as with, uh, you know, so much of kind of the, the 90s centrist shtick, which these people are still doing, you know, it has to do with uh, framing the question as one, like everything is about electability and strategy, right? Like, um, you know, like, like there's, there's less of a, people like Carville, I mean, I agree with what you just said, but I think it's always been the case that people like Carville um, have tended to to prefer, you know, they don't like um, staking out clear positions on issues. They prefer to frame it as like, look, uh, there are just certain ways to that, that you win in politics. And those always, you know, guess what? Those preclude um, the, you know, pursuing the kinds of policies that are disliked by the donors we court and, you know, the conservative primary candidates whose victories we do our utmost to ensure at every turn. Um, and all the rest of it, you know, this kind of, um, you know, triangulation, um, you know, justified by these, you know, strategists um, who appear on TV uh, constantly. And I, and I think have really appeared on TV with increasing frequency since, uh, since the, since the early 1990s. I mean, it's very much about masking, um, you know, these, uh, you know, important ideological and policy questions behind this kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of mystical kind of veneer, you know, and, and a big part, I think, of Carville's whole mythos and his, um, you know, popularity and, and valence as a brand on cable TV in particular has to do with that very thing. You have been watching a free public preview 
for a Patreon-exclusive episode of Give Them an Argument. Uh, to get the rest of this episode, plus Patreon-exclusive episodes every single Thursday, as well as Patreon-exclusive post-games after the regular show every Monday night, and a lot more, head over to patreon.com slash Ben Burgess. As a friend of mine used to put it, why be foolish? <laughs>